And welcome everybody to episode 65 of the CarCast. I'm Owen Newkirk, driving tonight, which means we're all in for a wild ride. Sean Shapiro behind the wheel. So from the co-pilot seat or the navigator seat, perhaps, which is probably more appropriate. Or shotgun. Uh, yeah. Do you have a shotgun? I don't. Then no, it's not appropriate. I, I was saying the navigator seat because we frequently have to air, use uh, silent hand gestures to remind each other which way we're going. <laughs> Even now, when it's the point where we should know, mm-hmm. it is episode 65, for goodness sakes. So let's get right to it, Sean. The Stars entered tonight's game against the Florida Panthers with one point in out of a possible four to begin a five-game homestand in a crucial part of the playoff stretch drive. Tonight, they beat the Panthers 4-2, and now they've taken three out of a possible six. And while that's not great, it's also not awful, and it sounds a lot better than one out of four. And it's um, the other... Now, I know because the Stars and the Stars fans are a bit... uh hurt from how things ended last year and how things fell apart. Um, you got nine games left. You have a four-point cushion right now on the team in uh, the team uh, on the next team that would knock you out of the playoffs. And you never want to say anything certain because things can always fall apart, but it's a spot where, as the games start to dwindle, those that four points starts to feel bigger and bigger as far as being in the playoffs. And on top of that, even with only three out of six in the last week, you only have to outplay the St. Louis Blues by one game over the next nine to get the third spot in the division. Which is quite something, isn't it? Yeah. Um, start of tonight's game, Ben Bishop is back. We'll get to the lineup discussion and probably the lightning round about Jason Spezza being a healthy scratch, but mm-hmm. Bishop back after missing the last couple of games due to injury to his word at Jim Montgomery's, he definitely did not turn a, what he thought was a, sh- a short term injury into a two week affair, mm-hmm. which if that was what needed, then it's probably the smart move. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the stars for the third straight game on this homestand allow a goal on essentially the first real quality chance this one, however, does not come inside the first minute. So they're getting better, but this is a, a worrying trend of the last three games, isn't it? It is. It's, um, you know what it reminds me of? Um, it's something that long-time people who may have followed my work and your work going back to long time is the championship team we covered in 2014. There was a trend where Texas Stars they left, like, the, Christopher Nilstrup left the first shot on goal in, what was that, four straight games? And then didn't let up anything after that was outstanding that team was uh known well known famous in fact for rallying from behind and scoring in droves of goals especially in the third period because of their ability to wear teams out with their pace of play and speed Mm -hmm. Uh, this team is not like that shot no uh but they did get a power play goal tonight we'll get to that but the the barkov goal to start the game of the three games in a row on this homestand where they've fallen behind early, is probably the most acceptable of the three, right? The Pacioretty yes. was was a was a terrible defensive play on a rush, and Hudobin was caught off guard, but it was a good shot. But it, you know, you'd like to see him stop that. The the one by Tim Schaller against Vancouver on Sunday, you should never let in from that angle. 
it's, you know, okay, credit to him. He made a play. He caught people off guard and hit a spot. But, you know, an NHL goalie shouldn't be beat short aside from that kind of an no, angle. No, no, not at all. This one was a redirection from a Huberto shot that was tipped by Barkoff up and in. Those are very hard for a goaltender to track. It's also tough. It's, re- it's a real tough kind of first chance to face in your first game back from injury and your first, like, like you want to, like, you don't want to let up a lot of shots, but if you're a goalie and it's your first game back, you want to face five or six shots in the first five or six minutes. You want to feel the puck a bit. You want that. Right. But you want those, you want the guy comes down the wing, you want to be on the top of your crease, you want to be set. You want those type of things. You want, like, a warm-up shot, yeah. right? Yeah. You're not for warm-up. Yeah, you're not looking for the kind of the broken play that turns into an even more dangerous chance like that was. Side note, quick digression, which I'm famous for, maybe yeah. perhaps notorious for. Uh, Brady Keeper, the now former UMaine Black Bear, made his... Always a Maine Black Bear at heart. Yeah, you know, Jack Capuano, <laughs> former Maine Black Bear, great uh, assistant coach with the Panthers. Jim Montgomery, head coach for the Stars, former Black Bear. Ben Bishop, I, I could go on. Anyway, Brady Keeper just recently turned pro and signed with the Florida Panthers. He's a former third-round pick. I believe for 2015, if I'm not mistaken. He's a defenseman. He did not make his debut tonight, but they allowed him, they had him take warm-up, and the Panthers gave him a pretty lengthy rookie lap. It was a couple of laps, and stole his helmet in the process. So he had to go out without a lid and by himself, and he didn't whip around the ice with a lot of jazz and, and steam. He looked like he was sort of like going through the motions. Like, oh, let's just get this over with. Well, I think he, Did the, you notice that? The one thing... The he, body language on him? Yeah, the other thing that he uh, he may be in store for, too, is how many more times are they going to have... If they're going to have him take warm-ups all the time, does this become the running bit? Is he taking... If they had won tonight, there's no doubt they might be considered... I wonder yeah. if because of the loss, they won't. But Yeah. My point, simply, love the, uh, love the warm-up. Rookie lap. I, I, I never get tired of that. The rookie lap. Even if they know it's coming. The rookie lap, there. even when you're not playing a game. That's a that's that's next level shade though because yes. usually the rookie's about to play. <laughs> um, so anyway, the Panthers get a goal early from Barkov. Jamie Ben scores very late, last five, last three minutes of the first period, and he has had a knack for getting this team going. Jim Montgomery talked about it in the post game show that. He thought they kind of sleptwalked through the opening seven minutes of the game, reunited Ben Sagan and Radulov, and put Haskinen and Klingberg together, and that five really got everybody up and back into the game. Yeah, and they kind of, and that that line in particular kind of dragged um, the whole team in with them. And they needed it. There were some other scoring chances from other opponents or other players on the team, but uh, definitely saw a night where. The big guns were trending in the right direction, and this, that's, this, this that's was, pretty important at this time of year. Isn't it's it? the type of night where we see it all the time. Opposing coaches, when they talk about the stars, they always we asked we asked uh, Bookner this morning about what I asked Bookner this morning. What does he think about the stars' identity? And he talked about them being a dangerous, high-scoring team. You have to be paying attention to the stars ranked 28th in the league in scoring, so that's not true. They're actually 31st in goals. Yeah, but goals per game, they're 28th. Yeah, so there is, there is, they're not a high-flying scoring offensive team. However, the thing that scares opposing coaches is what Ben Sagan and Radulov did tonight, and the fact that that can come out at any time, um, and that's what happened tonight. And it's, it's kind of, 
you and I talked a little bit earlier today before we were ever on the air about how the NHL is such a resume league where it's what you've done on your resume. That's what, no doubt about that's it. what people yep. remember about you. Ben Sagan and Radulov have a resume they typically cash in on, and coaches always remember that. And so what they did tonight only kind of affirms that, yes, the Stars can be that dangerous offensive team. Um, and that's really my point. I don't really have a follow-up. The thing is, is that, you know, you yeah. ask a, a coach for a team that doesn't see the Stars very often, mm-hmm. and what's the first thing they notice? The star power. Yes. Right? And that's true with a lot of teams. Teams will come in and you'll say, watch out for this guy, this guy, and this guy, because they've proven their ability before. So even if they're not having their best season, you're always wary of could they break out of it at any moment. And it's not just the stars and Jim Nill who talks about resumes. Everybody in the NHL uses that. That's why coaches and GMs across hockey of any level will say, we love championship pedigree. Players that have won a championship before because they know what it takes. It's the resume that says, well, we've done it before. You can probably do it again. Yes. Um, second period now. Stars score the go-ahead goal 2-1 to one on a Klingberg power play uh, goal. His 10th goal of the season. And it's amazing watching the slow-mo of this because that shot navigated through a maze in front and found a small little spot to get through. Great screens in front of... Sam Montebo. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Just another one of those floater wrist shots that uh, kind of looks like the Millennium Falcon going through all the asteroid fields to find a hole. I love the way Klingberg floats shots in. I really like the way he does it. I think it's it creates such an such a well typical shot. It's um, when it doesn't get tipped, it's kind of hard to deal with as a goalie because when the shot's coming from there, you're so used to dropping into the butterfly because so many guys shoot low and hard, or they shoot in that range. Looking for the tip. Yes. Yep. I think I love the way Klingberg shoots from the point. It's something that I'm actually um, – it's not an easy thing to do, and that's why not everyone does it, but I'm actually surprised there hasn't been more copycats of it in general. Alexander Barkov scored a power play goal, his second goal of the game. This one was similar to Klingberg's in the sense that he utilized a great screen this was Huberto in front of Bishop, Bishop looking one way, and Barkov snuck it in near post. Great shot, great screen uh, from a, a really dangerous power play. It's the second best power play in the NHL. They were operating coming into the game, the last seven games, I think a clip of about 32%. They draw a ton of penalties. They score a lot of power play goals. And that one tonight, I didn't uh, – I don't think the Tampa Bay Lightning played tonight. If they did – and I don't did, think they did. What's that? I don't think I don't they did think, either. They so, played last night. Which so. means that Florida is now tied with Tampa with most power play goals this year with 67. Yeah. The Stars have 36 now. Think about that. 67 to 36. Not quite half, but and the Stars don't have a bad power play, but they have not been trending up very well lately, have they? Yes. yes. I mean, they were one for 15 in their last six games, I think it was, about 5.9%. So... Uh, this was a big one to get one back, mm-hmm. but then Barkov scores, and that's tough for a goalie, Sean, because when you're trying to fight through a screen, if you look around him one way and the shot comes the other way, you really don't have much of a way to react to that. No, it was right? A, you have you know, to pick one. It was a good play by Barkov. He made the right shot. That's it was. Yeah, I think it was just a world-class shot from a world, uh, an elite player. Yes, it was a good goal. 
Stars almost had the go-ahead goal at the end of the second period on a power play. Rope Hintz redirects a pass in, and the video replay shows correctly that it was not in time. And I estimate, Sean, by my very unofficial head count, two to three-tenths of a second late. It wasn't yeah, yeah, It no, wasn't it was, as the clock hit zero. It was clearly before, I, I, but... I thought the clock hit zero right after it hit his stick. I agree. So I, I thought it was a couple tenths later that it was the right call. It's too bad because it was a nice setup. But the Stars were able to get another goal in the third period. This time, Alexander Radulov on a wonderful sequence that started with Tyler Sagan keeping the puck in at the blue line, and then Jamie Benn going to the backdoor pass and Radulov yeah. finishing. And we got the vintage Radulov celebration. Yes, we did. Which was awesome. Yes. Um, nice goal there. I thought Sagan was great. He didn't break his goal drought, but he had four assists night. Yeah. And just shows how important he is to this team. And then empty net goal, an awarded goal with 40 seconds left because Mike Hoffman showed his frustration and threw his stick at the puck. Um, cynically, it was a pretty well-timed stick throw, right? He Radulov shot it. It was going to the empty net. Hoffman threw his stick. It knocked it away. He defended the goal, but it was it was foolish because it counts, right? In Ra- your mind, and Radulov doesn't get a shot on goal. Is that right? Yeah. He gets the goal, but doesn't get the shot. It's, so it actually helps his shooting. Percentage. So it, it's funny the uh, the empty net. Like if you look at the game sheet tonight, so the Panthers empty net allowed one goal on zero shots. Oh, I didn't even notice that. What like, a statistical like anomaly. So it, technically, the Stars scored two goals on 13 shots in the third period, but all 13 shots came against the goalie, and he stopped 12 of 13, yes. but scored two goals, and he only but, allowed one yes, of them. Yes, yes. So that's weird. What did you think about the Hoffman play? Is that okay? Uh, is it foolish? Does it matter? Is it, should, is here's, it just an, an, an entertaining here's, moment? Here's my thought on it, and just as if you're looking at it from a Florida and you're looking from a coaching perspective. It's dumb because what if he missed? What if he was gonna miss the net? Well, he gives he ruins. It's like the the player that pulls up without skating. Yeah, it's, it's, what if he fumbles it? Right. It's auto, like it's automatically gonna be a goal if you throw the stick. It's just dumb. Like. And it left the referees with no option, right? Yes, I mean, yeah. it had to do it. it. You saw the explanation from the league about the Udovic stick throw. Yeah. Which probably was, but in real live speed, probably didn't look like it. Mm-hmm. And that's probably. The intent didn't look there as much. Yeah. Now, he might have intended to, but um, the thing is is that I don't know how upset you are as a Canucks fan. You won the game. It just took longer. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I actually, I'm fine. I'm good with the league giving transparency on things like that. So I'm I don't glad have... they gave the explanation, yeah. yes. All right, let's get to the lightning round because we're starting a new thing using the hashtag CarCast. Just because we didn't want to lose earlier questions, it's hard to dig through our mentions and find those. The ones where we send out the tweet saying, hey, send us your questions now, then we can find those typically. But for people that want to send in earlier, we've been having trouble keeping track. So we're going to try hashtag CarCast, and it seems like people are falling in. Uh, Let's see. Patrick, who appreciated listening to the Vegas CarCast on Friday, said first time in a long time and, and really liked the thought about the Cody Eakin ripple effect. Um, then wrote in, can you think about, this is from a, actually from a day ago, but I'll, I'm going to ask it anyway. Can you think of another player who has as much trouble elevating the puck as Val? 
Thanks, as always, for the Quality Stars content. Another player. Anybody that has as much trouble elevating the puck, which is funny because if you watch him in practice, he's fine. Yeah. Seemingly. You know what? There was a three-on-two tonight. I thought it was going to score. I really thought I it was going to score. <laughs> and, uh, was it Les Brons or no? Who was it? Yanmark maybe made the cross-ice pass. It was a, a, a two-pass play. I thought it was uh, I can't remember now. But it set up Val on his on the left side, which would have been his strong side, but his stick to the outside, right? Fires a, he's a left-handed shot, right? Yes. Yes. He likes to play on the right a lot. But anyway, he shoots glove side on the Panthers goalie, Montembeau, and I thought he made a fantastic save with the cuff of the glove. I mean, I think Val did everything right, and it just he didn't get the luck. It wasn't as though oh it that was, was a, it was a one bad on, it was one or, on the angle too, where one goes off the cuff of the glove, and then the way that the path is going from the angle where I'm sitting at least it's like wait that might be going in. It could have gone in even yeah. after the deflection. Yeah, it, I thought it was a fantastic save, and just bad luck for a guy that's had horrible luck all year. Yes. Um, let's see. But to answer that, to answer the question, um. Not as far as someone who's supposed to be billed as a goal scorer. Like, there's other guys who I I see struggle to lift the puck in situations, but they weren't billed as first-round picks or goal scorers or things like that. And that's why it's so pronounced and shows up so easily with Nachushkin, because you see these situations where, like, a first-round pick's supposed to score there, and he's not. And there's an expectation level with him that's just yeah. uh, that's not being met. But he has been effective in a defensive role, a checks and role. Um Andrew writes in, what factors into these slow starts? Three games in a row, giving up the first goal early. Is this a coaching issue, player issue, or maybe a combination of both? Well, I actually, it's funny, because tonight they made it the farthest without letting up the goal, but I actually thought tonight's start was the worst overall from the first, from an energy standpoint. Yeah, it didn't create much. Dickinson had an early shot. It was good, but I didn't think Florida had a great start either. No, like, tonight was just sloppy. It's right, sloppy and sleepy off the start. Like, the other games... Um, while it was a bad start as far as the goal against earlier, the overall first five, six minutes of those games wasn't as bad as this one was. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's something – I'm not sure how you fix it, and it's something that this team has dealt with for much of the year. We kind of see slow starts they have to get over, and there's not a good answer. That's, that's frankly it. If they had a good answer, Sean – uh, and this sounds like us punting this a bit. If they had a good answer, they would have dealt with it and it would stop. And if there was a, and, and it's also not. But they they haven't been a good first period team all season no. long, have they? No. And it's also the other thing is there's no. I know we're the ones being asked the question right now, but it's a question that the team has to answer and the team doesn't know how to answer. So I don't know how we could answer it. Um, Matt Zuccarello might help with that. Yes. Yes. I hope. Yes. Corey writes in. How did the Stars sign Ciccone? Uh, be Joe, Joseph Chicone, uh when it was believed that he was heading to free agency, and is Riley Tufty signing an ELC soon? So um, this was big news this morning. Yeah, big news. The Stars signed three uh, three college players today: uh, Joe Ciccone, um Joe Ciccone from the University of Michigan, Brett Gardner from North Dakota. Exactly. Both draft picks of the Stars. And um, what is Melnick's first name? Uh, uh, Josh Melnick. Josh Melnick from Miami. Josh, don't call me Eugene Melnick. Yes. Josh from my Josh Melnick from Miami, Ohio, an undrafted free agent. Um, in addition to the stars, officially announced Ty Delandry is headed to Texas. Um, 
And then another player added uh, to Texas on an ATO. On an ATO. Uh, hey, yeah. Joel Lesperance. Yes. Right? So um, we always have to keep an eye out for that. But so the Ciccone situation. Here's what I have and what I can kind of explain what I know so far. Um, when he was, this goes back to last spring, when he was announced as the captain at the University of Michigan, his mother actually tweeted congratulating her son that, hey, congratu- like congratulations to her son of being the captain. And at the end of it, very interestingly, used the hashtag free agent. And it set everybody into a tizzy. And and, and it was one of Understandably those Understandably so. It was one of those things that had been brought into it kind of brought this the star standing with Sacconi into a brighter light. Um he did not attend development camp. Now that in typically maybe he didn't maybe he couldn't make it, maybe he couldn't not, but him not attending development camp so recently after that, then all of a sudden brings up a couple other And maybe questions. because he yeah. uh, he was a college player, he didn't feel yeah. he wanted to spring yes. his own way there. Yeah. Like some of the other guys have. Yeah, either way. Some I, stick, I, tricky college NCAA eligibility rules about going to a pro development yes. camp as a amateur status player. And but so, we'll get beyond that. Essentially, so then. The Stars last summer, going back to last summer when I talked to people, um, the Stars never showed outward worry, but I talked to a couple people who said they felt they had never been in this situation where they didn't know what a kid was going to do. Really unknown, right? They, they, had, they had no idea what he was going to do. They they tried not to be worried, but they really they were really had no idea whether this guy they, – they weren't getting the, hey, I'm going to sign, I'm going to be there. They really weren't – weren't sure um whole season goes along i've talked to some people at the university who know who are close to the program at the university of michigan there's some people who were convinced he was going to go to free agency there's some people who said okay maybe he might look at it this way um essentially his season ended on the i believe his season ended on the ninth um about 10 days ago about 10 days ago if he was a player who had been planning to sign with dallas from the beginning Frankly, he probably would have been with Texas, the Texas Stars, a week ago. Right. Um, so this is you speculating? No, or I, no, you this is reporting. What do you what do you know versus what you are? I let me presuming? let me. I know if he had been ready to sign right as the season ended, he would have been with the Texas Stars a week ago. I know that. Right. Fact. Okay. Um, in order to get him to sign, Jim Nill went to Ann Arbor, met with him, and through after that meeting, ended up whatever happened in that meeting, Sacconi ended up signing with the Stars. Interesting. Um, now. Take a different. Uh, yep, keep going straight tonight. Yep. We're gonna have yep. an extended route to the car cast because they're doing some construction the other night after our last car cast. By the way, yeah. Here, uh, as we are coming off the uh, Sam Rayburn, we had I had to do the loop around full U-turn from oh, wow. Maine, Maine down to Standridge because of that intersection was completely blocked off. Huh? I'm hoping that you're <laughs> we're gonna find this isn't so then yes. I don't have to do it again. But so Sacconi. So, so Basically, you don't have well, – well, while GMs travel to places and things like that, typically if this had been an agreement where, okay, he's going to sign and it's going to get done, Jimno wouldn't have had to go and put the legwork to fly to Ann Arbor to get – You would presume that they would have been yes. able to get this and essentially, 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 And essentially throughout this, all the signs and talking to all the people, even, his, even talking to people who know him pretty well at Michigan – there was full belief that he was going to look at all his options and go to August 15th. Right. Which um, we, then he could pick anybody. Then he could pick anybody. And you know what? Good on the stars. Good on Jim Nill. They were able to get the. They were able to get 
get the deal done. They were able to bring the guy in, and now he's going to make his AHL debut tomorrow or tonight, I guess. And if it's well, yeah, it is technically it's Wednesday. Wednesday, now. Wednesday, so on Wednesday. Jason writes in, y'all know that there's literally a swamp under the 35E-121 interchange, right? Elm Fork of the Trinity has a bunch of wetlands under that ramp. Yeah, I, we are kind of aware of it. They're yeah. just talking about how poorly it smelled. I didn't notice yeah. it again tonight, so yeah. maybe the winds are just have to be at the right angle. Anyway, Jason says, actual question. But thank you, Jason, for the, uh, yes. the geographic tidbit. We always appreciate fun facts. Uh, he writes, why isn't Spezza getting any love, especially on the first power play? despite his hands and hockey IQ being an obvious asset. This is a good time for us to talk about Jason Spezza being a healthy scratch for the second time in his professional career tonight. Or last night, if this is now Wednesday, which it is. Was it the second one officially in his professional career? The first was last year. Well, I, know it was, I know it was the second in, in Dallas, but there was none even. I don't believe he ever was healthy scratch okay, of I, a game before that. Yeah, I don't. Because it was Ottawa, and I think he was so so much of a crucial uh, maybe regu- maybe he was scratching the playoffs once or something. Yeah, I mean, because he came in as a 19-year-old. It's possible, but I don't think so. That was what I read today in the NHL.com story. Okay. Let's presume that they're fact-checked correctly. I mean, we can talk to Jeff about it. Uh, we can we can also uh, knowing well, how that knowing knowing how that system works, it may or okay. Well, may anyway, or may not be true. It either was, way, it was either the way, second time officially yes. with the Dallas Stars. Yes, exactly. We know that for sure. He uh, here, here's the bigger thing. Um, I believe that this comes down I, – I think that Spezza still can have value for this team, but not what he was when he signed his four-year extension. We've gone over this. No, yeah. He's not a second-line center anymore. Uh, he, you know, age is catching up to him. Father time wins out. That's the cliche, but it's true. What I believe is that players like Rope Hintz and Joel Lesperance have and, – and others, Jason Dickinson – Yet, Matthias Janmark, Val Nachushkin's game the other night, and even the way Brett Ritchie plays on the fourth line, have given the Stars an opportunity to consider uh, scratching Spezza because they have the options that they didn't have as far as scoring depth earlier in the season. And the other thing is now the money doesn't matter anymore. That's a good. That's a very big. Point. The money doesn't matter anymore. It used two thirds of the season, the money matters. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The money doesn't matter anymore. He's yes, he's technically a seven point five million dollar cap hit player, but you know what? You're getting to the point of the he's year. Got ten games now, nine games left. Ten games, ten games, ten games left in his regular season career in Dallas, and there's no cal- there's no salary cap in the playoffs. Right. The salary doesn't matter anymore. So any, there's no longer a this guy is making seven point five million. We have to play him. That doesn't exist anymore. Um, so it's, you know what? It's. Is are there ways Spezza can be affected? Yes, I believe there are. Now, I also think you have to be able to call certain things the way they are. And right now, he's he's just he has two. I was looking at it. He's got two goals, two points. Sorry, in his last ten games, two points in his last ten games, and. He's been just been whether it's right. I think he has two goals, Sean, in his last 31 yeah. NHL games. And whether it's whether it's right or wrong, Jason Spezza on this for this team and this coaching staff, he's a fourth line player. He played seven minutes the other night. Yep. He just continues to drop. And when as when you start to drop into that realm, you become in that conversation of okay, along with the other fourth liners. You could be scratched. Like it's doesn't mean that he can't still play a role. Face-offs, power play specialist, yeah. uh, veteran presence. But yes, uh, like, 
I do believe Spezza will play more games the rest of the year. Um, and you know what? Last last time he last time he got scratched, he came back and scored tw- twice. But never know. You never know. But it's all right. We have to turn this into the lightning round because we have a whole bunch of mentions okay. and we I can't sit here for 25 minutes. We've actually reached Sean's house, <laughs> which is usually when we stop. But we uh, do need to address the people. So lightning round. Uh, Joe writes in, what are the chances Zuccarello will play against the Cal- against Calgary? I'm going to answer that, Sean. I think the chances are zero. Well, no, no let's say 1%. Why? Because he hasn't even started skating with the team yet. He could have start later this week, but they basically have been saying that he'll go on the trip and start practicing. There's always a possibility that he could get back fast. We were talking to Colton Sevier today, yeah. and we were talking about how some guys recover really fast and others take – most take – a week or so of skating with the team at least. I, I I'd say the chances at Calgary are very slim, but I'll put it I'll put it I'll put I'll put it at ten percent. Okay. Like I think I I mean I I I would not plan on him playing, but I if he's at practice tomorrow for the optional doing shooting and stick handling, yeah, that would be an uh, we haven't seen him on the ice with the team yet. Pitlick was there this morning, so that was an encouraging. I did see him. Step. I did see him talking to Jim Nill this evening. Not that that means anything. He could they, they could be talking about anything, but I did see him and Jim Nill talking when I when we were in the locker room after the game tonight. Um, so many. We'll just keep going through. Kent wants us to have a special edition car cast at the drive-through before the season is over. Here's here 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 here's here Kent. Here we go. Here's here's what we'll do. Special edition drive-through. We'll go through the drive-through if we've reached a point where we're doing a car cast after a game that has gone to a point that it's late enough that we need food. And that's going to be a late one because I eat enough in the pregame meal. Yes. And then the snacks up in the press box to not want to eat right now. So Kent, and it's 12:30 in the morning. So Kent, we're talking playoff game overtime, and you know what? That's the type of game where we'll stop at. We'll we'll put it to the people. We could we could we could figure out where to stop. But. So Sean, I just got to the official call. That's how many we still have. No oh, way. Wow. Right? So those all those hashtag questions were from the first time when I said, by the way, later tonight we're yeah. gonna ask for questions. Please use the hashtag. Mm-hmm. We're now up to the hey, we're calling for all questions. Right, let's power up. through. Let's do it. Bryce wants to know all time favorite TV shows. There's a lot to go through. Uh, I'm a big fan of watching the show Survivor. From a reality TV, I find that very interesting with socio-political stuff. But I'm also a big Seinfeld guy, so I'm gonna go with that. A lot more I like, um, and TV shows. I mean, we're talking about like series, like HBO series. Are we talking about network TV? Uh, love Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. but there's so many, right? Yeah. Breaking Bad, great TV uh, show. Yeah. Big for me. Um, so there's just a few of the for, ones there. For me, basically, big. Seinfeld, um, whenever How I Met Your Mother's on, I'll Ooh, watch that. Oh, I love that too. Um, Parks and Rec for me is one I will watch. I will watch random episodes of, and uh, the only show I don't, not one that I go back and rewatch episodes because the type of show it was, but the first show that was ever really appointment viewing for me television was Twenty Four. Okay. And now that that's not the type of show you can go pick and watch the way you can do with a sitcom, but it's not but, sequential. It yes. just doesn't make sense. Yes. So. Uh, Gallup August, Dr. Dash wants to know if, cause he doesn't believe if ever asked or discussed video games on the car cast on a previous one, I would like to defer this down the road because we don't have enough time. We don't have enough time. Yes. Sean and I do. like. We, video we, games. we have some good video game stories. Favorite memories. We have lots, uh, and especially playing FIFA together. Yes. But we will ask us again. There are video game stories for another day. Austin writes in, should the stars take, 
trade Klingberg. Kidding, in all caps. I propose a lifetime ban on people wanting to trade him. Serious question, though. Who matches up best with the Stars come to playoffs? Leaning towards the Preds. Um, matches up best, you mean for the Stars or against the Stars? Or what's the best play? I, I, that's a toughly worded question. And, I, and I'm not one to talk tonight, Sean, because I used a very poorly worded question when doing our radio post game with Jamie Benz tonight. It happens to us all. It, it's like tripping. My My analogy is... I tripped over the blue line. I awkwardly stumbled and recovered my balance so I didn't fall on my face, but it didn't look pretty. No style points for me on that one. Uh, but, look, the the trading Klingberg thing is ridiculous. Not because he can't be traded. And he wasn't asking for them. To, he used no. the word kidding. I know, but I'm just um, and, saying that's ridiculous. I, I believe that just, and maybe I'm wrong in this assessment, but... I think Nashville's a better matchup, even though the Stars actually have a somewhat okay record against Winnipeg this year. Um, we'll see what happens in four days. But I just I think Nashville's a better fit. Um, also, I just don't want to fly back and forth to Winnipeg in the first round. I know. <laughs> I, I, I think it'd be fun to – I've never been to Winnipeg. I'd like to go sometime. It's a fun but, city to go to. Yeah. But I just – I don't – and playoff Winnipeg is conceivably warmer I can't, than I can't, regular season I can't Winnipeg. get there directly. I have to fly through Minneapolis. Sounds <laughs> so. I can't. Okay. Um, I'm going to. Ardell wrote in a bunch of stuff. I'm, the one thing at the end, because we don't have enough for all of it. Uh, any new thoughts or revelations quantifying Ben Bishop's mad puck handling skills? Uh, not quantifying yet. But um, we know what's the difference. It yep. makes a. That's, his, Jim, Jim Montgomery brought it up post game today, too, about the amount of. He, how they can play faster with him. Have you also noticed that not only is he so skilled at it, but he's so confident in his abilities that he will try and execute passes that no other goalie will consider, especially the passes across his vacated crease. Well, and, he, and it works. Uh, let, let me rephrase this. Let me, let me phrase it this way, actually. He does, he, he, he attempts, he does occasionally make mistakes. He attempts passes like that smartly. There are some right. goalies. There are right. some goalies. Alex Stalock, Mike Smith, will try that pass with that guy in their face. Right. No, no. Ben Bishop yeah. sees two guys coming covering the walls, yes. and he passes up the middle of his own zone because there's nobody there. Yes. He sees it, reads it. But it's just his vision is incredible. Mm-hmm. He makes passes on breakouts the way Klingberg does a lot of times. Yeah. Now, Klingberg has the puck more, so he also has more giveaways because of the simple ratio yeah. of that. But Klingberg will attempt certain things that are – more creative because he sees the ice so well. And I think Bishop does the same. A mm-hmm. um, couple more because we're, uh, is Polak holding Miro back? You touched this on your shop shots today. Um, I reading your column to this morning, Sean, and then it touched on it again tonight when I was looking at it. I better understand your disagreement with me when I say, I think Polak has been a revelation because what I'm saying is not that Roman Polak is one of the better top four defensemen in the league that we didn't think that. What you know, no, you never said that. No, I never, I never I know, claimed you no, said that. And I'm not arguing with you, yes. but I'm, I'm just letting our listeners know that. I'm, And I'm not feeling the need to defend myself, but I guess I'm going to anyway. No one's attacking you. No, but I'm going to say <laughs> my My statements about that I think he's been a savior for this team are, are circumstantial. Mm-hmm. If... And I said this before, if Johns and Mathot don't get hurt or miss the entire season, in Stephen Johns' case, you don't need Roman Polak to be able to do what he's done. Is he the perfect number four? No, but I think given the circumstances that the Stars have been faced this year, 
he has done much more good than harm to this no, team. No, as I wrote to And he ha- he's some. I have a couple of people on the radio show, on Twitter, saying that he's been the worst Stars player. And I think that's just categorically wrong. So, as, and as, as, as I wrote today, the thing is, I never, I'm not calling for Pollock to be out of the lineup. My point, and this was kind of the end note for me, was on, 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 on my take is, he's put in a spot he shouldn't be in, and there's only so much you can do when you can put in a spot like that. That's just, that's just a fact. That there's only so much he can do. Um, is he holding Miro back? What else? I mean, I, the problem is I don't know who else you're going to put with him. Like, that's the thing. Um, um, I like watching Klingberg, like Klingberg and Miro together is, is really fun to watch, but then putting when there was, and they switched him mid game today. Is yeah. Fun. But there's also, but then some, but then you're kind of lacking a little bit of speed through the rest of them. It's like, I, I, I'm, do you see that space, the void missing uh, a guy like Steven Johns? I oh, it's huge. It's just huge. You just, you see them. Yeah. If he was there, that changes everything. I still think Roman Polak is a valuable asset. I just don't think he's – I'm not trying to say he has stepped in and become Stephen Johns. I'm saying that given the fact that you lost two of your top four, he's been way better than you than you could have expected. And so kudos to him. Now, people saying that, oh, he's terrible because he's bad at possession and he only has his block shots because he's no good at getting the puck out, I think that's way too blinders on because he's also on the penalty kill and he's very good at getting in the lanes and and he's physical and and you wrote in your column too that there's a lot of things that are hard to quantify with him that are positive yeah it, it, the intangible he's not he it, it's not <sighs> I did however get a Twitter question at you probably saw it uh, the other night where it said, you keep saying that you how much you're impressed with Pollock, and then you don't give any stats to back it up. So then I backed up with stats. He said, "Yeah, but those aren't the right stats." And then you go, "I I, I didn't reply after that because he's like, well, what do you want? You want something? We back ourselves up, and then what? But hey, we always appreciate the listeners, right? Yes. No. And, and my my whole thing on the Pollock thing, which I tried to, which I, you know, I'm better at writing this stuff than talking this stuff anyway. Is <laughs> There are good and bad with it. It's 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 it lies somewhere in the middle between the two extremes. Sure. So yeah, okay. I think that's fair. All right, Melissa, one last one. How do journalists decide who is going to ask questions during post game interviews? Is it based on seniority slash tenure, comma rotation schedule, etc.? Also, just started listening to the Carcast this season, and it's a great way to keep up with the stars well away at school. So I just checked your Twitter bio because I was curious about school. UMD nineteen. I'm guessing Minnesota Duluth. Lose, huh? Right, I would think so, right? Yeah, I, so, I, I don't and know. If for she's sure. class of nineteen. That means a senior, getting ready to graduate soon. Melissa, thanks for listening. I hope you're enjoying these car casts. Sean, you're in the post game scrums. How do you decide the order? I, I'm I'm in the pre game, the, the morning skate ones, the practice days. But how, from the post game, how do you decide who goes when? Uh, there really isn't a decided order. I mean, it's just. Does anybody get the first one always? No, no. Um, who feels like grabbing the reins? No, the only yeah, I mean it's typically there'll be because so how the stars post game works just to kind of give a little people a little bit of idea how it works is we with about seven eight minutes left in the game stars PR will come over to us and ask us who we want to request and we'll give three names that we'd like and they'll bring the, they'll make those three players available for us. Um, typically, there might be 
one of us might ask for one player, might be more interested in talking to one player than the other, or so. Basically, it's just kind of a there's kind of a flow to the conversation that just kind of starts, um, and there's no really set order. There's no seniority or anything like that. It's just it really, honestly, it's just kind of almost ad libbing as you go. And you. But to be fair, and this happens in the scrums that I'm involved yeah. with too, you do sort of uh, look for your openings. You pick your spots. But because you can kind of sense when one question is done, and if you're ready with one, sometimes I sit there and come up with them as we go a lot of times. I might have something I have in mind going into it, but he might, you know, you're, let's say it's for Jim Montgomery. He says something, you go, huh, I want to add to that, or hey, wait a minute, what about this? But you also sort of get a feel, do I start my question as I'm saying it before anybody else is speaking? Or, uh, you know, a guy like yourself or Mike Heike, Matt Frank sometimes asks a, a two or three question series because they're working an angle for a story. Yeah. And you can sense that there's more coming or, I mean, it, it's a feel, right? It really is a, and, and sometimes two guys say it and it's, do you, it's, it's a friendly scrum with the stars, a lot of it. It's not too much of people trying to talk over each other. In a more aggressive one, I would think Cowboys sometimes, when there's a lot more, you really have to shout over others to get your question across, right? There, there are other places where um, – there are certainly other places. Um, and it's actually – and this is not this is not anything – and I think because they're just used to it, but it's something I notice sometimes when the TV guys will show up to the stars practice where they'll be – the speaking over where it turns into you start to ask a question and you both start talking at the same time and it's who's going to persist and talk over the other. Right. It's basically who's going to either uh, volume or duration mm-hmm. went out in that one. It's sort of a, a little uh, and there's, and there's, a little game of verbal chicken in a way, right? And, and, and really, um, while the post-game conversations are interesting to us, what happens in the scrum is probably actually the least interesting part of my job. Um, right. I right, because you're working other things. Yeah, most of me. A lot of the best comments come outside yeah, of those things. For me, I mean, while we use the post-game things for certain stories and things like that, most of the most of my best work comes from having things that are never caught on camera as far as the public scrum. All right, I would love to do more. This is probably 20 minutes too long because mm-hmm. it is 12:47 now on um, Wednesday, as, and just as a, an early pu- day. As a public service announcement, because we may have some people who listen who may have missed it. There is no practice in Frisco tomorrow because um, I know it is still on the website as practice in Frisco. Yeah, it's, it's at the American Airlines. It's Center. at American Airlines Center. It's just a close PSA. to the public. You, you just PSA on that if uh, if you're looking to go to practice. Yeah, so you can't go to practice tomorrow. There will be a press conference tomorrow about the Winter Classic at two. At the that Cotton will, Bowl. That will be. I think it's going to be streamed or. I televised? think it's going to be on Fox Sports Southwest. Okay. Yep. Um, and uh, check it out, Commissioner Gary Bettman, both. Jim Nill and David Poyle, the GM of the National Predators, will be there. A few other dignitaries. And I have a busy day. I'm driving down to Cedar Park to watch the three new stars prospects play. We're doing um, not doing the the Shapiro commute, as uh, Stephen Reserve once coined it. I'm doing the down and back. You are doing the I'm in doing one the down and one back. night. Yeah. So uh, get the Red Bull, get the coffee. Yeah. And uh, maybe re- re-listen to the your Carcast favorites. Some of your favorite car go cast. back and spend three hours on 35 uh, going between Austin and, and Dallas listening to our greatest hits. I'm big into the audiobooks now. Yeah. I'm still I actually I'm, I'm looking for a new one. So if anyone has any good audiobook suggestions, please let me know because um, I got six hours tomorrow. 
as far as we wrap this up with this thought <laughs> as we fit close carcast 65 you didn't even get to hear a single tidbit of sean's most interesting part <laughs> of the day and if we get into it i will not be able to get up it in the morning be. to take the kids to school thanks for listening we will be back presumably for thursday night stars and avalanche and we uh, we can touch on another the food story that Owen's mentioning. Everyone have a uh, wonderful uh, day. Okay. <laughs> See ya.